Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Future of the Office podcast. My name is Franco. I'm the co-founder of PropMoto. And today we're going to be talking about flexible office. Uh, here to join me to talk about that is Emily Watkins. She is Chief Client Officer of the Instant Group, a flexible workspace company. Hi, Emily. How are you today? Hey, Franco. I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you. So you guys obviously work uh, a lot with clients on Flexible Office, probably uh, spend a lot of your time educating them on what exactly Flexible Office is. So maybe let's start there. Can you just kind of give me a, a brief description of, of how you think about the Flexible Office and, and what it really actually means? Absolutely. It's actually always a really good place to start because there is a lot of confusion out there, right? People use Flex to mean a lot of different things. Um, we've actually kind of written some some of a glossary of terms on this that um, actually has been really helpful. So when we talk about a flexible office, and sometimes you'll also hear that referred as flex space or flexible workplace, it really is an all-encompassing term for a lot of different types of workspaces. So co-working spaces, hot desking, managed offices, serviced offices, and virtual office. But basically, it's designed to accommodate changing business objectives and gives workers the freedom to sort of work how, when, and where they want. And so while a lot of different offices may look a little bit different, they all are sharing the basic elements of a lot of different areas to work, whether it's focused heads down space, team rooms, you know, tables where people can connect, project rooms and having adaptable areas where there is configurable furniture, phone booths, coffee areas, all of that sort of thing. Yeah, great. And so, you know, how are your your clients using this, right? What What is the purpose that you see or, or, or some of the main purposes that uh, occupiers are using this flexible office space? Yeah, so traditionally, occupiers have used flex space for things like new market entry, if they have to solve a need for a business unit that is going into a new area and they don't have existing real estate to put them in, or it could be for swing space between perhaps uh, changes in lease commitments within their core headquarters real estate. But more and more lately, we're seeing organizations using flexible space as they evaluate what their longer term office needs are. So, you know, that could be to go into a space for a shorter term to confirm that employees really are going to come into the office for, you know, enough of a frequency to warrant taking more of their, their own lease, right? So it can actually really help them determine what their market strategies should be by giving their employees those opportunities to use these types of environments. Interesting. It's a, a kind of a testing bed, it sounds like. And so how, how does that usually look? I mean, what, what are the ways that the, these occupiers are bringing this into their leasing strategy? Are they you know, maybe dedicating a certain percentage of their footprint to Flex? Are they you know, uh, switching some over? You know, what does that typically look like if someone, uh, an occupier, really is starting to, to get into their, their kind of Flex office space? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. And you know, I think it, occupiers are at very different places in terms of sort of their adoption of these types of models. But for the most part, it can actually be a really important component of your office strategy, right? It can allow you to sort of treat 
office is more of a flexible ecosystem as opposed to I've got, you know, one core big headquarters space and then people can work from home, right? So it gives people a lot more flexibility, no pun intended, <laughs> within their portfolio and allows them to kind of be fluid in how they actually create space for their their organization. So, you know, there isn't really a hard and fast rule that says a certain percentage of corporate uh, corporate occupiers are using Flex, and in fact, some that are a lot more advanced with it or a lot more virtual first are essentially almost all flex and perhaps just have some kind of key marquee headquarters spaces in different markets across the globe, depending on their business. So I think it is not a one size fits all solution for organizations, but the value that it can create to those organizations is actually reducing overall lease liability. So, you know, 20 years ago, we all used to manage our corporate real estate portfolios on a spreadsheet based on where all of our leased or owned assets were. And now there's a lot of different levers that we can pull in order to meet the needs of our organization and of our teams. So, you know, that could be I've got, you know, 50 desks in an actual flex space operator like a WeWork. It could be that they use something like an instant managed office, which looks 100% like their own office, but just is, is consumed flexibly. Or it could be that they have on-demand solutions available for employees where they can go book a, a conference room for a day or book you know, a, a boardroom for two hours. So you know, there's a lot more choice that we are providing to organizations so that their employees can actually think more about how do they actually consume space in ways that can just make them productive according to what they need to get done today. And what do you think are some of the you know kind of best practices for occupiers when they're when they're doing this, right? I think obviously I'm thinking, you know, they you you can't just have these spaces and expect people to come. I'm sure there has to be a little bit of right. involved. But I'm also thinking about, you know, the how, how long do you do these studies? Uh, you know, what kind of maybe data do you really need to uh, get from these studies in order to give you a, a holistic understanding of, of your workforce? Yeah. And, you know, it's a, that's a hard thing to answer today because we know that companies are at various stages in actually, you know, getting people to come back into core headquarters space. But that's actually what Flex can help them assess you know, if they go and sign a 12-year license agreement with a flex operator, it can give them a lot of data to understand how are people utilizing space in this location. And if they can open up options for their employees to actually use multiple types of spaces in multiple geographies, then they can really start to, to study and understand actually how that can help them formulate a deeper strategy going forward. So I'd say, you know, best practices really vary according to, you know, where an organization is on their adoption of going into flexible space. So if an organization is brand new to this, a lot of what, you know, what we start with when we're helping them assess how to do this is to really understand where their portfolio is today, where are their people today, and then understanding what the supply and demand metrics are within the different markets that they're in, in order to understand how they can achieve their objectives. 
And that could be cost objectives. It could be more around creating parity of experience for the employees. It could be based on business unit objectives, speed to market. So there's a lot of different elements that go into it. But I think the key is actually, you know, taking a step back and looking at it holistically and then deciding, you know, based on data where you think you have opportunity to jump into this. And that's that's really the conversations that we're having with our clients right now. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, there is a little bit of a, a little bit of foot dragging getting into Flexspace because it because it is a, a a little bit more involved, right? It's it's not quite as easy as a normal office just kind of you know having the doors be open from nine to five. Uh, talk to me about the the idiosyncrasies of a flexible space and maybe what traditional office space can learn from how flexible space has adapted. Yeah, you know, and there 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 has been kind of a lot of that in the past, but I would say. Interestingly, as more and more really large corporate organizations take advantage of flexible space, it has demystified really how simple it can be. You know, it used to be that a lot of organizations would say, well, wait a second, you know, my tech is way too complicated and there's no way that I can use space that's already stood up. It has to be to my specifications. You know, but then you've seen a lot of really high tech organizations and, and big financial services organizations going in and using these spaces just fine. So, you know, it's become a lot easier for organizations to really be more plug and play with a lot of these types of solutions. So I think that may be something that needs to be demystified. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of just understanding kind of what their employees want, the differences between some of these flexible spaces versus maybe some traditional office space is really around having it be so hospitality focused. And that's something that is really critical. I think when people come in that they are greeted by somebody who, you know, typically has the title of community manager versus, you know, security, right? That right there um, just shows you the difference between a space that is focused on somebody that is coming in to use it in order to be productive and, you know, enjoy their day versus somebody who's sort of required to be there, right? So I think the hospitality focus is a key area that organizations can really learn from what these flexible office environments do really well. Um, You know, and they also are really focused on, you know, personalizing and understanding, you know, who is with what organization and how do they really treat them as part of their community so that it doesn't necessarily feel completely like they're walking into an operator whose name is on the door and their name, you know, is nowhere. So that's that's something that's really important that I think is really worth leaning into. When you look at how... uh... Uh, an office strategy is, plays out. How do you think Flexspace best fits in, right? Is it uh, kind of a, an offsite flex uh, location? Are there flex locations all over the, the you know, city? Or do you think maybe, you know, should they kind of be paired up next to the traditional office to, to catch the overflow? How do you kind of see it working best? Yeah, I mean, great, great question. And I say the answer is all of the above. We love to use this word ecosystems because that is really what you're creating. And interestingly, you're starting to see that organizations are actually leasing traditional space more so in buildings that actually have 
a flex type of solution in them that helps with things like overflow. So for example, if you're talking to, you know, an organization who has a a satellite office, perhaps now when they go into a building, they don't need to build out a big boardroom if the building that they're in actually has a flexible environment where they can actually go in and use that. So what's been really interesting about that is that we we did a study with ULI where 36% of landlords right now are planning to offer their own flexible workspace product within their assets by 2025 really, really soon because they see the need for it. It's more, it also, you know, I, as a occupier, for example, if I was, could take less space in a traditional lease. If I know that if I have challenges and I need overflow, I can benefit from what, what else might be within the asset. So I think it is really broad. And I think setting a clear and sort of purposeful strategy with the organization is the right way to do it because then you're really having dialogue about how to actually make your employees successful based on what they need to accomplish within the space, as opposed to, you know, the way we used to look at it was if you build it, they will come. And so I think more and more, if you can actually expand your views of what is it that people actually need and how do we provide them solutions, then you're going to your organizations with, you know, a choice instead of, You can either work from home and be considered a remote employee, you can come into the office, or you can either do home and office, right? There's a lot more options out there that are actually really, really great options that, you know, are are completely kind of corporate suiting to a lot of organizations. This is a really big industry and it's it's growing. It's growing, um, you know, it's growing incredibly fast. And I think it's a huge opportunity for organizations to actually give their employees choice and help them really choose how to be productive. Yeah, I think, you know, early on, we kind of saw this as a, a remote work versus a work from the office, uh, you know, black and white. But I think, you know, now thanks to all of these flexible offerings, we understand that there's a lot more gray, right? It's, it's a spectrum. So, Thank you so much for your time, Emily. This has been really great, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Franco. Great to chat with you. This podcast series is brought to you by Foresight by Court. The workplace has changed dramatically. Optimize your office space with Foresight by Court's affordable workplace utilization technology and flexible furniture solutions. Learn how to be permanently flexible at foresightbycourt.com. That's the number four, S-I-T-E-B-Y-C-O-R-T.com.